0: got to start off first with something that we talked about only two or three short days ago, and that the fact is we have had a pivot in the market. For the last 12 months or so, we've been in this odd realm where bad news equals good news, essentially bad news being bad economic news that would allow the Fed to kind of slow their roll. As I shared just three or four short days ago, I believe we have pivoted to now where bad news is, thankfully, bad news. This is how it happens as you roll over, you get into a tougher economic environment. And again, we had to get here. We had to transition from bad news is good news to bad news is bad news. We had to go there. The only way through hell is to keep on going. And this is a part of the process, and I would argue an important part of the process. Anytime we have an inflection point, It is important. And again, let's talk about what I mean by bad news is bad news. And again, just yesterday, on Sunday, April 9th, CNN ran the following headline. Wall Street says bad news is no longer good news. We have had an investor perspective shift. So again, we were once again ahead of mainstream media. I like it when you and I get to say we were ahead of the mainstream media. But let's talk about bank lending. One of the things that you and I have been poking at, you and I have been waiting for is post-Silicon Valley Bank, how bad would lending dry up? It's called mortgage origination. One of the things that we've seen in the last two weeks of March, post-crisis. First, let's let's realize a lot of the economic data and the inflation data we get on Wednesday, a lot of it could be seen as pre-crisis, certainly before crisis impact. So some of the data is I don't want to say irrelevant but not as clean as we would like. But again, back to bank lending. Bank lending is down 105 billion in 2 weeks. Now again, 105 billion in the scheme of things is not crazy significant, crazy significant, but it is a trend. It is something that you and I called and we can expect more of this, not less. Bank lending will get tighter. Yes, I know rates may be coming down, but as I've told you many times over the last three or four years, watch the housing market and watch the lending market. They are two different things. Lending is going to get tighter. Yes, you might be able to get a mortgage rate at five and a half percent, but can you qualify? Can you find a lender? Things of that nature. So again, watch the lending market. It is going backwards. Deposits. It looks like we have had more deposit outflow, so expect all of the savings calculations to look horrible as cash leaves banking. This week we had the large banks. Yes, the large banks lost about $65 billion. Where is it going? A lot of it appears to be going to money markets. A lot of it, uh, some of it will go to gold, Bitcoin, and yes, even coffee cans held at home or under the mattress. This is, again, what we call the Saturday after can you guys hear that? We got, we got Sonny down here saying, pick me up. Don't know if you can hear that. I don't know how sensitive the mic is. But again, large banks are uh, seeing withdrawals. And again, this is to be expected. So we should not overreact to when we see, hey, the, the consumer has no cash. They do. It's just sitting in other areas. And I don't think mainstream media will pick that up. So again... Interesting. And again, one more point about a call that we made a couple of weeks ago about the wealthy and the upper middle class. We talked about there was a shock in the consumer psychology. The consumer is scared. The consumer will behave different. Our first indication was a flash report from MasterCard talking about, oh, they've noticed a drop in transactions the last two weeks of March. Follow that on with Costco. Costco talked about, oh, look, they're not buying as much stuff. Now we got news from PC makers that are down. I wanna make sure I get this right. I got so many pieces of paper. I think PCs were down uh, like 30 some odd percent. Apple was down 40%. Apple of course a premium product, uh, product used and selected a lot by the wealthy. So to see that PC cycle take such a large hit, is that a sign that the higher end discretionary items are pulling back there's a lot of stocks with a rich valuation that are consumer sent, uh, sensitive and they do cater to well i don't know the upper middle class and maybe just maybe they are going to see a hit in top line sales there you go sonny you okay now all right so let's get into this let's talk about the commercial crash We brought that to you first over a year ago. We talked about how it can transpire. We bought you an example of a syndication blowing up in Houston yesterday. We talked about an Orange County apartment, or I'm sorry, office building bought by BlackRock that lost something like 30% in nine years. But I want to remind you of the math. Yes, there was a $270 million apartment portfolio in Houston that was bought a year ago that went to foreclosure auction and was sold for about 176 million. Yes, that is horrible. That is tragic. But let's remember, a lot of that loss is suffered by the equity. Okay. What does that mean? When you bought these apartments, all these syndicators that I was warning you about, they raised money. So again, in this example, it appears they raised $70 million in equity that equity goes to zero, so a large part of that loss, and the first loss is borne by the equity, not by the debt. The debt in this case did take a haircut, but it was a 14% haircut. Clearly something banks can ride out with reserves and things of that nature. So the commercial crash is undoubtedly highly focused and concentrated on office, It may be impacted in some multifamily markets. It may be impacted in others, but I do not see all commercial properties falling apart. There will be pain, but I believe, as I tried to warn you, most of the pain will be felt by the equity, not by the debt. So again, these units, these buildings, they may be traded, sold, foreclosed, auctioned, but the debt, won't feel the most pain. It will be the equity. So got to understand that, because I think that is very, very important. Uh, Next up, let's talk about active listings. Some folks are hoping we have finally hit bottom in the spring selling season. Folks, week on week, we have stopped going down. We went up 823 properties. 823. This could be the start of a trend. The inflection point off the bottom is not always big. We will see again, uh, folks like um, Logan from Housing Wire, John Wake, these folks publish these numbers every Sunday or Monday, Altos Research, another Twitter follow, they all put this out. So again, up 823. We are now at 410,851 to be exact. That is from Altos Research. Just so you know, last year, Uh, we were at 258,264. So we are up year on year a lot, uh, but we are down uh, from 2019 levels about 50%. It is interesting. If you put a stake in the ground January 1st, 2023, we are down 16.3%. Kind of straight down. And again, why is that? It's because we had hangover from November and December Rates came down, buyers showed up. We had a record February at four and a half, up 15%. So again, all things that we have been talking about on this channel. John Wake from Phoenix. Remember, we've had lots of discussions about Phoenix because it was a poster child of the iBuyers. It looks like inventory on January 1st for Phoenix, this is according to John Wake, was 12,618. It is now sub 10,000 at 9,830. 12 so quite the fall again i think we're seeing this in most of the country and again what i'm trying to hypothesize is if you take the median of your market there is a lot more activity below and less above so again housing market generically speaking even the size of phoenix i believe there's a market below and above the median uh, folks, I don't know if you follow someone uh, with the moniker "Financial Samurai." Uh, Financial Samurai is somebody I followed when I retired early at forty-five. Uh, he is. His name is Sam. I'm going to say Dojin. Uh, he retired at thirty-four in two thousand and twelve with a uh, portfolio or a net worth of about three million dollars. Financial Samurai is one of the OGs of the financial independence, retire early or fire movement. It looks like he is going back to work. Yes. Over the last decade or so, he and his wife have welcomed two children, a boy and a girl, I believe. And he is looking at two kids possibly costing $1.5 million in uh, college education. Wow. That's a big number. Woo. 1.5. Ouch. Uh, he admits that the bear market took a lot out of his portfolio and he is looking to go back to work so again retiring early right left the workforce at 34 he's now going back he's not going back in the same capacity because i believe his story he is a wall street guy so he's just looking uh, to get back in the workforce i did think that was pretty interesting may not you know maybe hang on that extra year or two so i thought that was interesting Again, financial samurai is going back to work. So I did a video yesterday that I would, I want, I'm gonna ask you to watch. I very rarely do this. This is a video I did with uh, Millennial Mike. The title of the video is Wrong About Housing Crash. This is a series or a playlist with Millennial Mike that I look forward to every week. It is basically where Millennial Mike goes in and looks at your comments. Millennial Mike takes out the spicy, the hateful, the fun comments, and he brings them to me, and I, I react off the cuff. I don't know which ones he picks, so it's always a surprise to me. In yesterday's video, we hit on a couple of comments from folks that I think I may have overreacted to. As if you've been following my channel for the last three or four years, you know that I have been a frequent target of crash bros. Not only crash bros saying nasty things, but more importantly, their followers have come on this channel and said just horrible things. So when I got the comments yesterday from Lineal Mike, I believe, because I've actually gone back and watched it, which I don't normally do. Hey Adam, thank you very much for the super chat. I appreciate you. But one of the things I did after watching that video, which I very rarely do, I very rarely go back and watch videos of my own. I watched it yesterday because I wanted to see that section. And I believe I reacted to, I don't know what you want to call it, the baggage, the history that I carry (coughs) with three years of battles. The questions or comments that were asked by Millennial Mike, if I had not had that history, I I should have acted differently. What I think is happening right now that I was not aware of until I rewatched the video is I think people are starting to understand these Crash Bros are idiots and they don't know what they're talking about. What that means is my channel is probably attracting new viewers, but these new viewers have the history and the vocabulary and the talk track beaten into them by Crash Bros. So when I hear the words that trigger me because of the last three years, I instantly go into fight mode because I'm tired. I am tired of these folks being wrong and hurting people. And I think what I need to do is realize that folks are starting to understand they have been wrong for three years And more folks are coming here. So I think I need to flush the history. I need to be less aggressive, less fighting. Because again, the questions, if I take out the history, were decent questions. But again, I have heard variations of these for three years. And they are always meant to point out how stupid and how wrong I am. Let's go back and look at the highlight reel. Three years ago, people were talking about a housing crash. You can't find the videos because they delete them. Three years ago, the math said they're wrong. We first produced the 50-year spreadsheet three years ago, where we showed the math that 2020 was the second best year ever to buy a home. It was mathematically the second best year. So they were wrong. Two years ago, the talk track was we were gonna have massive foreclosures because there were 4.3 million people in forbearance and all this was gonna happen and the world was gonna end. They were once again wrong because they, they did not experience the last crash and this environment to know what was different. It was very clear, and again, we have the receipts on this channel to show it, that forbearance was being done different, and the government would do everything, including silent seconds, extended pretend, 40-year mortgage, and we would see none or very little uh, stuff. Hey, Tony, thank you for the note, I appreciate you, or the super chat, thank you. But again, they were wrong, we called it early, and we brought it to you. Then comes uh, this year. Again, they are still talking about a housing crash. This year, I tell you that I expect a housing crash, I expect a 40 to 50% housing crash. Of course, if you watch this channel, you know that I'm talking about transactions and they are still talking about price. Well, it's in. I was right, they were wrong again. That is the quick highlight reel. But the feedback and the hate that I get for being right maybe has worn on me a little bit. So what I need to do is step back and not be so ready to fight with every comment. So that was on me. I think I reacted overly aggressive, and that was on me. So for those, I think it was two, it might've been three comments where I was clearly frustrated, and I my my pain was aimed at the Crash Bros, not at the comments. So to the commenteers, commentors, I want to apologize. My reaction was not at you. It was at what I've experienced from the Crash Bros the last three years. So to those two or three commenters that I went a little hard at, it wasn't you, it wasn't you. Thank you for the comment, but I made a mistake. I overreacted, I took it out on you. 100% my error, not yours. So again, I try every day, I'll get better. This is a learning lesson for me. Uh, But again, we've been right a lot. And because we've been right, I do get a lot of hate. I just need to let it go. And if you are a former Crash Bro viewer coming to the channel, I will do better. I will be less sensitive to trigger words. So again, folks, I try, I was wrong. I apologize to those two or three people. Take care of yourself, have a wonderful day. We'll try to do better. And again, don't forget to sign up for the Legends of Real Estate this Sunday Four hours where you get to interact with multimillionaires, ask them questions, how to get started. We got Anna Kelly, April Crosley, uh, Casey from Brick by Brick, and Alicia Merriman. Four rock stars, you're gonna love them. And again, if you buy the ticket, you will get the recording a week or two later. You you will get that because it is four hours. Not everybody can attend all four hours. My intention is for Anna to go at seven, April at eight, uh, Alicia at nine, and Casey at ten. These are all time specific. So buy your ticket, join. I hope to see you there. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye.